uh, scriptures of the New Testament, the Word of God, uh, to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10. If you're using the Church Bible, it's page 1137. Page 1137, Romans uh, chapter 10. This is now a section in the letter to the Romans where Paul is dealing uh, with his own people, the Jews, uh, from which he had come. And then uh, he has moved on from the Jews uh, to the fullness that is in Christ. And so we read from Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes it in this way, the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scriptures say, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites or all the Jews accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing and the message. Sorry, from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. But I ask... Did they not hear? Of course they did. 
Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again I ask, did Israel not understand? First Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that is no understanding. And Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Amen. Let's seek God in prayer. Let us stand to pray. Well, the verse we want to focus on this evening is uh, Romans uh, chapter uh, 10 uh, and verse 9. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, where Paul writes, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, uh, and uh, believe in your heart uh, and are justified. Uh, you shall be saved. This verse is found in the closing section of Paul's letter. If you flick through in your Bibles, you'll see that there's only a couple more chapters, as we call them, left. And this whole letter is written to the church in Rome, ancient Rome, the capital of the world. And remarkably, there is a little church in that vast city. Paul has never been there, but he longs for the day when he can go there, when he can meet the Christians uh, who are there, including those who actually serve in the household uh, of Caesar, who are the equivalent of people today who serve in the royal household of Elizabeth II. And there are Christians there. And Paul rejoices in that fact. Now as he writes to encourage this church, uh, in advance of a visit to this church, a great theme of this letter is the theme of of righteousness. Righteousness. Now that's not a word that is used a great deal today. It's considered to be old fashioned. But righteousness in scripture means to have a right standing with God. It means to be acceptable to God. It means to be holy and pure in the sight of of God. And so it is, as the, um, we read in the Old Testament, righteousness exalts a nation. When a nation puts God at the centre of her thoughts and laws and actions, then uh, she uh, is found uh, to be uh, in a right standing with God. Now, in the early chapters of this letter, Paul is at great pains to emphasize 
that every person born into this world, past, present and future, except one, that every person lacks this righteousness. There's only one person in Paul's mind and in Paul's understanding who does not lack and who did not lack righteousness before God. Everybody else is, as we would say, out of relationship with God. They're in a broken relationship. Everyone else is born in sin and sin shapes us. It comes naturally out of our hearts. It's not something that our children pick up from others. Uh, It's not something that's there in our genes. It's something that is a spiritual malaise or sickness. And it's in the depth of the human heart. It's not caused by um, the uh, way in which we're brought up in society. So there is no one righteous. And Paul is very aware that his own people, the Jews, that's the group of people he has come from. You and I, many of us this evening would say, perhaps all of us this evening would say, we are British. Well, Paul would have said, I am Jewish. And these Jews, his own people, they are very focused on this righteousness. And they know it's necessary. They know they cannot see God. They cannot uh, stand before God without this righteousness. The problem is they're trying to get it in the wrong way. Okay? And that's still the danger today. People in their heart of hearts know. You know. I know in our heart of hearts. That we need to be acceptable to God. That we will stand before God in a day of judgment. And God needs to, we need to be found acceptable. But what do we do? Many, many people try to get right with God. To be acceptable to God by their own way. And by their own efforts. And we're no different from the Jews. And so it is against this background that Paul writes then in Romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9. And tonight we want to ask a very simple question. How can a sinner be saved? Or how can a sinner be Be righteous with God. How can you and I know with assurance that God accepts me? That God loves me? That God delights in me as he does in his Son and in his Spirit? That we are precious to him, that we're loved by him. That he will take us to be with him when we die. How can that be the case? Well, let's notice 
There are three simple headings, and I've tried to make, put the three headings together uh, in such a way that it's a statement that I want you to take away with you. First heading is, not by some virtuous action on our part. The second heading, but by personal faith in Christ. The third heading, and by public confession of Christ. Do you want to know how to be right with God? That's it, in a nutshell. That's how to gain righteousness with God. Not by some action that I think I should do and that has some virtue in it. But by personal faith in Christ. And he's the one I was referring to earlier. The one, the only man who lived a righteous life. Putting my trust in him. And then by owning him publicly before others. Let's unravel it a little bit um, piece by piece. First of all, not by some virtuous or meritorious action uh, on our part or on the part of the Jews. Verse 3 of this chapter 10, Paul says of his fellow Jews, they sought to establish their own righteousness. They sought to find their own way to God. That's the great fault that Paul identifies. And it's the great mistake that Paul himself made for many years. At one time he was no better than them. What did this man trust? Earlier on, he trusted in his own religious background. I've been born a Jew. My roots go back in these people, among these people for generations. I'm a man who tries to keep the law. I'm a man who's been circumcised and I take the Passover. I take the sacraments. I belong to the church. I have a zeal um, for righteousness. And he thought all of those things that he did, he did, could make him righteous. But then one day Paul's thinking was turned upside down and inside out. Because he was brought to see Paul, Paul. It's not about what you do. That can never gain you righteousness. It is about what someone else has done for you. That day Paul realized, verse 3, that like his fellow Jews, he did not know the righteousness that has come that comes from God. And he came to realize, verse 4, that in Christ there is a righteousness for everyone who believes. It's not about what I, Paul, do. It's about what Jesus Christ has done. And so it's not by some virtuous action on their part or our part. It's a great mistake of people to think that by uh, keeping rules or by following religious rituals we will become right with God. That's never possible. But it doesn't deal with the problem in the heart. So it's not by some meritorious or virtuous action. Do not think in terms of what 
you can do to get right with God. Because it's not by anything we do. But let's see secondly. It's by personal faith in Christ. Paul hasn't changed in his thinking in terms of righteousness and the place of righteousness. He knows that righteousness from God and to have righteousness before God, to be acceptable to God, to be declared innocent and at peace with God, that that is still of fundamental importance. But it's the way in which he gets that. That's what's changed. Because now he has discovered what his fellow Jews have neglected. Uh, He has discovered that this righteousness is in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at what our text states in verse 9. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you confess with your mouth Jesus Lord and believe your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice the end of verse 4. So that there may be a righteousness for everyone who believes. This righteousness comes not through doing. It comes through believing. A person is saved not by doing this or that or the other thing. A person is saved by believing in Jesus who has done Everything that you and I could not do. Who was without sin. Who kept the law of God perfectly. The Jewish leaders, when it came to his trial, do what they would and try as they would, they could find no sin in him. But you see in his death Jesus became a sacrifice. He wasn't a helpless victim of circumstances. He was a willing sacrifice. This life of his that was without sin this life of his that had a perfect righteousness that God accepted and that God delighted in And he looked upon him as a man and he said, "Uh, My beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. And what did Jesus do? He said, Father, this life of mine that is righteous and that is without sin, I offer up to you for these sinners. For men and women and boys and girls who do not have the righteousness that I have, but their life is summed up by sinfulness. And so, how can a person be saved? How can a person become right with God? Not by some work that we do, but by the work that Christ has done. The sinless life he lived 
the sacrificial death he died where our sin became his and his righteousness becomes ours or is offered to us as we believe in our hearts notice where belief is it's not in the mind it's in the heart if our faith is only intellectual if it's only in the head it's not saving faith to be saving has got to be in the heart we believe in our hearts in our inner being let's notice then finally how is a person righteous with God not by some virtuous action on our part but by personal faith in Christ his righteous life his sacrificial death and then notice thirdly and by public confession of Christ our verse states that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord you will be saved what does that mean what's that asking of us well we've talked already about this faith has got to be in the heart but then this faith will express itself in the life because our faith is not just some kind of system of belief where we tick boxes to be a Christian the Christian faith is a way of life it's an alternative way of life it's living life not for myself not by myself not to myself but living my life to God in Christ and for God in Christ and so if there's this real faith in our hearts in the Christ who is righteous the Christ who died for my sins then it will express itself in our lives and Paul focuses here uh, on it expressing itself through our lips you see faith in Christ is not a secret thing it's not a private matter between us and God sometimes I've and when I've talked to people and, and asked them about what they believe they say oh well that's, that's, that's a private matter what I believe is my own thing nobody else's business well that's not biblical Christianity it's not biblical Christianity 
because faith in Christ will be public. It will be confessed. We see this wonderfully illustrated in Andrew. Remember one of the early disciples. And Jesus called him. And um, Andrew became the disciple of Jesus. And we read the first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Christ. You see there's a man who's confessing with his lips that Jesus is Lord. Or we move on in the Gospel of John and we come to the woman of Samaria. A very different woman from Andrew. Uh, and a woman with no church background. A woman with a very immoral background. She had a string uh, of husbands and divorces. And then she was living with someone without being married to them. But Jesus spoke to that woman. And she came to realise that she needed a righteousness with God. And she came to understand that it was by personal faith in this Jesus that she would become righteous. And we read in John 4 of how she put her faith, she believed in her heart. And then what did she do? She went back to her town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me anything, sorry, everything I ever did. See, she's confessing with her lips. So, faith in the heart, that is, saving, will express itself in our lips and in our lives. Now, it's relatively easy to confess Christ in the church on a Sabbath evening or in a young people's meeting when we're surrounded by those often who confess Christ and believe in him. It's much more difficult to do that before family and friends and work colleagues who are not sympathetic and perhaps you've and, and, and who have known us not perhaps but and who have known us in our unconverted days and can point to this and that and the other thing that we did in our unconverted days that are a shame to God and a shame to us and yet hard though it is public confession before men is what Christ requires of us confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. How is a person saved? How is a person made right with God? Are you right with God tonight? Do you know tonight if you were to die tonight at this moment, that you would go and stand before God, because that is surely what happens when we die.
but that you would stand before God and you would hear him say, Come, enter into your rest, into my rest. Do you know tonight, do you have tonight righteousness with God? Not because you've done this and that and the other thing. But because you have believed in your heart that Jesus who came down from heaven he's the righteous one. He's the righteous one. And he died to make me righteous with God. Not only do you believe that but you confess that. And if you're not righteous with God tonight, then we urge you to do that. That you would believe in your heart. And then confess with your lips that Jesus is righteous. And he makes you righteous. So you trust in him. And you will be saved. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we marvel at your grace. For you made man righteous in the beginning. We read in the scriptures of Adam and Eve in the opening stages of their lives, Genesis 1 and 2, how you walked with them and they walked with you. And in the cool of the day you spoke to them because they were in a right relationship with you. And they enjoyed you. For how long that was the case, the scriptures don't tell us. But it tells us then of a great fall. A sudden plunge that took place from that state and standing of fellowship with God and acceptance by God to a position where they were hiding from God. They did not want to face you or to meet you when you called out to them. O oh God, we are sinners by nature. We are sinners by deed. Thank you for the one you've sent down from heaven. The second Adam. Jesus. The righteous one. And we thank you that he did not sin. That he did not fall. We thank you that throughout the 33 years of his earthly life. Every minute. Of every day of every week, of every month, of every year, of that earthly life, he lived righteously before you. Never thought, spoke, or did any wrong. And we thank you tonight that in him we have a way back to you, a way to be saved, a way to receive righteousness, the righteousness we lost, the righteousness that we still need in order to be accepted by you. 
the righteousness we cannot attain by our own works and efforts, we thank you that it is the free gift of God in Jesus Christ to all who believe in their hearts. O God, thank you for that work of your Holy Spirit in many of our hearts that has brought us to believe in Christ and to confess him with our lips. And O Lord, we pray for any, whether it is a child or an adult, a younger person or an older person in our midst this evening who is not right with you. We pray that now your Holy Spirit would work sovereignly and mightily, convicting of sin, granting repentance, granting faith in the heart, and that commitment to confess with the lips, yes, Jesus is righteous, and in him I am righteous, and he is Lord, my Lord, in Jesus' name.